0: Um, some, some reps want to be the quarterback and in the quarterback position, there's all the glory. I prefer to, uh, to, to have a role that's more like the coach, you know, the coaches on the sidelines, maybe not even the head coach could be like, you know, just the offensive line or something like that. But somebody who's driving a whole lot of value almost from the side.
1: Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I have Jamal Reimer with us, and the topic of the day is how to win mega deals and grow your career. Uh. Jamal, thanks for joining us here. Glad
0: to be here. Thanks for the
1: opportunity. So by way of introduction, Jamal is a top performing strategic account manager at Oracle. So this is the first time we've had a a bag carrying sales guy on the show here. He started selling books door to door and has grown his sales career to be a a member of the elite group of sales reps who have closed $50 million mega deals. So one transaction, $50 million. If you can uh, wrap your head around that one. Um, Jamal has closed over $150 million in SaaS revenue throughout his career. Um, Which is more than I've closed as a, uh, you know, and that's with the whole company. (laughs) So, so, uh, Jamal really excited to have you on the uh, on the show today tell me how did you get your start in sales you mentioned the book the, the door-to-door books tell me about that
0: yeah when I was uh, well when I was in high school my family lived in Africa we lived in South Africa and um, I chose to come home to go to university and that summer um, there was all kind of craziness going on and the apartheid government was starting to fall apart and the, the currency dropped 75%. And so all of a sudden, whatever savings my parents had was almost worthless in their desire to help me go to university. So in that first, uh, in that first six weeks, I found myself with almost no money and uh, really kind of uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a real low point to, to the point where uh, I went to the University of North Carolina. And, um, there was a restaurant that sold, um, chicken biscuits, Southern delicacy. Mm -hmm. And, um, what they would do is they would fry chicken, like a breast of chicken. They rip the, the, the breast off, put it on a, on, on a, on a biscuit and they'd leave the bones on the side and they used to sell those bones for 10 cents. And I almost lived on bones and plain biscuits for about a week until my student loans kicked in. And it was during that time that I said, you know, I'm, I'm just never going to let myself be in this position again. And fast forward to, I, I found a job selling books door to door with a company called Southwestern and I did it for five summers. So that's where I, I cut my teeth learning how to sell something, educational books door to door
1: in all across the Midwest. Fantastic. What a story. Um, What's your, uh, what's your best piece of advice for salespeople to keep their confidence when they have experienced rejection? Well, number one, I mean, if, if, the,
0: the, the place where i got the most rejection was selling books door to door and <laughs> uh, it got so bad that I really had to go back and just remember, does my mother love me? <laughs> yes. Okay. And you work up from there. Um, it's, it's really hard sometimes to keep a perspective about what's real and what's not when you're putting yourself in a position to receive a very one-sided experience. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about some other things too, like what I do on a daily basis. And a lot of that has to do with meditation and, um, affirmations and the stuff that thousands of successful, you know, uh, sports people and actors and politicians and, and servicemen do to to keep their balance, mm-hmm. and you, you just gotta go back within and remember who you are and and dust yourself off and get up and keep walking
1: well tell me tell me about that tell me about the daily rituals, the affirmations that you've found especially helpful to uh propel your career so
0: i i uh, i'm I'm a fairly avid reader. And um, I, I, in the last few years, I've turned to YouTube as well. And one of the gurus who says he's not my guru is Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's kind of famous for many things. But one of the things he's famous for is his his morning routine. And he divides it between uh, basically getting what he calls in-state, which is a series of breathing and then a, a few mental exercises. And I mix something like that. With uh, I'm a believer, so I have a whole set of prayers, and uh, and I say a prayer, and then I do some meditation just to kind of be calm, and then uh, I do a gratitude exercise where I let three things come to mind that I'm grateful for, whether they're small or large, mm-hmm. and that piece alone, when I'm done with that, I'm kind of I'm kind
1: of full, you know, I've got enough. Well, that, that that's really interesting. I think most people understand prayer and what was the second thing before the gratitude exercise yeah, there's
0: meditation and just kind of uh, being kind of calm and quiet and then moving on to gratitude
1: and, and the gratitude exercise. When you say the you let three things big or small that you're grateful for come to mind, what, uh, what exactly, when, when you say come to mind, you just, you kind of think about each one for how long, give, give us some details. I think that's something gratitude exercises. I think can be really powerful and I think it's something that a lot of people are a little less familiar with.
0: Um, so, um, I, I, start with some breathing exercises and then I just let myself kind of be calm and in the moment and thoughts come and go. And then I steer my thoughts th- towards gratitude and I just wait for something to come up that I'm grateful for. So I live in Sweden, so I get grateful when the sun is out because it doesn't happen all that often. Right. Or, uh, a hug that my daughter gave me, um, uh, the night before or having a job that pays well. Or you know, having health in my family, these things kind of float in and out, and whether they're big or small doesn't matter. I let three of them go through, but the trick is to really feel the gratitude for that thing. And you know, uh, Tony Robbins speaks about this when he talks about his morning routine, and he says, you know, don't if you're thinking about uh, a roller coaster ride, don't think of it as you know you see yourself at the top of the roller coaster from a distance. Think of it as you're in the roller coaster going over in that moment and relive it. And I try to do that with the the things that I'm grateful for. And the emotions and the feelings are so strong by the end of that, I feel full and complete and I don't feel needy and I don't feel desperate, even if I'm way behind my number that year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, sets the tone and the place that I operate from for the day and any person, customer, internal executive, family member, guy at the gas station, I, 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 I meet them with this sense of, I'm, I'm totally good the way I am and what can I do for you or how can we do something good
1: together? Very powerful. Um, so the topic today is, is, uh, how to win mega deals and grow your career tell me how to tell me the story of your first mega deal how did that go down i'll try to keep it under two hours
0: <laughs> we we appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> um so the, I, i'll be the first one to say i fell into my first mega deal and one of the biggest points uh, that i learned through the entire experience is that i could probably count on one or two hands how many people who do mega deals completely learn it on their own. I certainly didn't. Number one, I fell into it, but number two, I was guided through it by people much more senior than me. One was my senior, was my vice president of sales and the other was our vice president of service services. Uh, Both of them had been in our industry for, you know, 20, 30 years. So long story short, um, I was given an account back after having it taken away, taken away because of a, a reorganization and a, uh, uh, an acquisition. So the new management team didn't know me. They took, they took my account away. And then the year later, the, the account didn't like the rep that was on it and they actually asked for me back. So I got on back onto the account before a, a reasonable piece of business was to be renewed. And that's one of the things that's a big deal when it comes to mega deals is if you've got some kind of momentum going, no matter how small, um, it, it, it's a, it's an amazing help to have something going rather than, you know, starting from a dead stop.
1: The little ones bring the big ones sometimes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And
0: uh, what happened, I mean, to put it in a nutshell, um, it was a long process. Well, it happened within nine months, so it wasn't really long and it happened within one fiscal year. But kind of the, the keystone moment in the whole deal happened when we were sitting around this conference room table and there was a fairly senior person who was kind of the, the deal sponsor on the customer side. And we were talking about discounting this and you know, moving people around and software around and the bits and pieces. We're, we're talking about bits and pieces. And this customer VP, he said, oh, whoa, 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 guys, guys, this whole thing is not about moving pieces around and a little bit of discount here or there we are talking about how to safeguard the most important ip within the company and if we don't fix it you're screwed and we're screwed and after that meeting we were walking out and my vp of sales said so now this is a probably a 50 million dollar deal at the time it was like 10 and I was like, wow. "Where did you get that?" And he's like, "He he said it himself. This is the most important IP of the company, and that gives us all kind of that's a mandate for transformation. And we can offer things that we never even had the courage to do before, because this is similar to life and death for them. And what we would." propose will be hugely valuable, but it will be hugely expensive. And this is what's going to drive this quantum leap and turning this thing into a mega deal.
1: So I guess mentorship is a key piece and plays a key role in learning how to do these, these massive deals or, and you know, a mega deal means different things in different industries, right? I mean, if you're selling things that cost three hundred dollars a month, then a five hundred thousand dollar deal is a mega deal in your industry. I mean, obviously, you work in in software, um, and uh, and so fifty million is a mega deal. Um, but you know, for a lot of for a lot of companies, I mean, for, for different people, mega deal means different things, and yeah, and. Sure and mean and it means different things to the salesperson too i mean i you know it uh a salesperson that normally sells you know things that are worth a thousand bucks a year if he sells something that's worth 500 grand a year they may make a similar amount of money to someone who who doesn't make a deal in software that um where they were kind of more expected to do really big deals so i guess point being like mentorship is so important and working with the right people at your company how do you how do you develop those roles, and how do you how do you uh, uh, how do you interact in those situations where you're driving the deal, you're the sales rep, but there's key people at your company that you're that have their hands in the deal and are mentoring you throughout the process?
0: So I think one thing that uh, that I feel pretty pretty good about is that. Um, some, some reps want to be the quarterback and in the quarterback position, there's all the glory. I prefer to, uh, to, to have a role that's more like the coach. You know, the coach is on the sidelines. Maybe not even the head coach could be like, you know, just the offensive line or something like that, but somebody who's driving a whole lot of value almost from the side. And you're still in the front, right? Cause you're the rep, right? You got to drive everything. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you're always in the the limelight. Mm -hmm. And in the first mega deal that I did, um, I wasn't in the limelight at all because I was learning. I was carrying the bag of other people. Um, I had plenty to do because I was orchestrating lots of stuff. But most of the strategic work was done by these these VPs of mine. but to come back to something that you said earlier, I, I, Steve, I couldn't believe, I, I couldn't agree with you more that a mega deal is different for everybody, every company, every rep, every, sometimes every deal. And, but what's common about going for mega deals is um, breaking a belief barrier far beyond what is normal or what's even known just breaking through this belief barrier into a totally different world. You may have heard or, or, or read a book called, um, uh, blue ocean strategy and in the blue ocean strategy, the basic idea is that in a competitive market or a competitive space, um, that's a red ocean because all the fish are getting eaten by the sharks and the water's all bloody. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, there's a blue ocean somewhere out there where you can go and create demand and create opportunities by uh, serving customers differently or offering them some different experience and nobody's doing it in that way. So there aren't any sharks eating all the fish already. It's still Mm a blue ocean. And and, and in my view, that's what kind of, uh, what I like to do is I go to try to find these blue oceans where nobody else is even trying to, to uh, compete but to do that, you got to break through a whole bunch of uh, uh, of limiting, you know, uh, self thought, both about yourself and your role, as well as maybe your product or competition or even your customer and your potential access to them. But mentoring can accelerate that breakthrough because I couldn't see it on my own. I could only really see it and believe it once I saw guys who knew how to do it, do it. And I and it took me ten years to learn mega deals, even with mentors. Mm-hmm. So um, th- there's a real relationship between uh, mega deals and the need to break through these mental barriers, and the role of mentors in helping you do that, help helping you achieve that breakthrough.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I uh, I feel like so many so many large deals could have been a tenth or a fifth the size, um, and both parties still would have been happy. I mean, obviously the party paying a tenth as much would have been very happy. But uh but you, you to get a to get a truly large deal done at a price that makes it a truly large deal, like you could have done the fifty million dollar deal, deal for 12 million and your boss still would have been patting you on the back and the customer still would have been happy. And, um, you know, but to, to really make it a much bigger deal, you have to be able to show unique value and why, and, and this gets back to your blue ocean point that really jumped out at me. You need to be able to show why you're the only the only thing that can help someone sail to this part of the ocean—it's—and it, it, uh, and, there aren't other sharks there because you're the only thing that can do it, and you have to be able to really create value and unique value for a customer, and then they're happy to pay you the the price of a mega deal because you've created ten times more value for them. I mean, that the company that you sold the fifty million dollar deal for—hopefully, they felt like it was worth a half a billion dollars for them, and if they were able to safeguard their data, for example, and it was their key, you know, mission critical data to get that on sustainable and scalable, et cetera. Footing was probably it was worth a half billion dollars to them and they paid you fifties. So they're like, this is great. We, we got a killer deal here. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, it's that unique value and communicating that that's the first key to me to really getting a mega deal done.
0: Yeah. Um, f- finding it and communicating it and, um, uh, it comes down to some one of the biggest secrets I think in doing mega deals is that a lot of the basics actually work. That's a huge secret, right? You, you think you're going to do something so different and so um, untried and so unique, but sometimes it is it is the absolute basic things that that actually make the difference. Um, um, so I'm still I'm. I, I'm not a guru and I'm not an expert because I consider myself still learning and I go seek out other people that do large deals. And uh, somebody who I've looked up to for years, I got her on the phone and I said, how do you do what you do? And she said, well, number one, I never use the word software. I never use the word at most. I I call it an asset or I'm talking. I'm always talking about capabilities and what it'll enable you to do and all this other kind of stuff. And she said, the, the other thing I think I'm pretty good at is, um, follow up. It's a, it's an art and sometimes it's a lost art. And if that's where you put your investment, that's a huge place where you're going to make a big, big, um, impression on people in, in the way that you follow up and in the way that you care for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what hit me from what you were saying in communicating the value, the, the very basic thing that, that I am doing more and more and more is simply asking just ask right we were lucky enough that the customer stopped everything in the room and basically said let me tell you what you need to do let me tell you how important this is to us but we could have just asked them and said look are we even on the right track by looking at stuff like this or you want to look a totally different
1: just just to ask yeah it, it's interesting you bring up follow-up. I, uh, I, am a huge believer in all in, in the, the art and science of, of, uh, of following up. And, um, it recently LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn hired me to teach a course for their, they have, they have, all, they bought that they purchased com, which is like an educational video company. And they, uh, So they have all these educational training videos for their uh, premium users, and uh, they hired me to teach a course on on sales follow up, and uh, and it it was a a great experience. Um, Not only did they pay me well, but you know they they were super professional and, uh, but it, it. forced me to give a lot of thought to follow like the art and science of thought following up. Like I'd given presentations on it before and stuff, but this, they, they made me really like zoom in and, and write down every word that I was going to teach and like, you know, and, and then they videoed it and edited it. And, um, you know, it was, it was a, a really fun exercise for me, but it, it it helped me take the time to think about all the things that you can do and all the tricks of the trade and all the, all the uh, but following up is just so important, and uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Hmm. Um, how uh, I guess a fr- one key piece to this is access. How, how can salespeople have the meetings with the level of business executive that they can really? take the conversation to the next level and expand something that was basic and small and and build on that to something that truly unlocks value between two organizations and becomes a mega deal. I mean,
0: two, two or three, two or three things jump out at me. Um, and, And you know, it's funny, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. There's different ways to package it. And if you, 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 you pull out some content, whether it's from a, a brand spanking new book or a sales book that's 75 years old, you know, the truth is still there, but it, there, there might be iterations of it. And I, I've been reading one book, how, how to get a meeting. I think it's how to get a meeting with anyone, anybody. It's about contact, contact marketing mm-hmm. and the author, Stu, I, I'm going to ruin his last name, but he's a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, one of the things that he says you have to do and I, and we've heard this and it's, so it's not new, but it was, it was the latest iteration. When you are reaching out to senior people, you, it, it would behoove you to establish business, uh, equivalency or peer peership. And you can find a number of different ways to do that. And he, and he does a bunch of stuff in, uh, social media. You know, you can have a blog, you can have a, podcast you can kind of do stuff that elevates you you don't necessarily have to have a title of a company etc that's that's one whole set of activities that you can do is kind of achieve this pureness where people are gonna take your call or take a meeting with you much faster than they would um, if you're just a rep The the other is just use your own executives it is the absolute biggest under you, it's the biggest blue ocean out there, you know, and, and I work at a big portfolio company, right? Oracle bajillion products. And I've also worked at really tiny, you know, early stage companies. The executives are always saying, Oh, get me involved early, get me involved early, but there's no uh, real instant. I haven't seen a company institutionalize the art and science of involving executives in deals.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: So um, the the more that the rep raises their hand, and basically says, "Hey, Ms. Executive, you know, at my company, I smell smoke over here. Let's go make a fire. Come on! And, and here's what I see, and here's what it could be. And but I need your help. And they're not going to talk to me fast. It'll take me three months to get one meeting. You could get it in a week."
1: Hmm. Yeah. No. It's it's funny. You know, like I, I have. I have some sales reps that bring me on a ton of calls, and I, I offer it to everybody. I'm always like, "Yeah, you know, if you have a if you have an interesting deal or an important deal or a strategic deal, or you know, if I can help move the needle on something, if I, if I can help get a use me as a, as the excuse to get a conversation with their boss, you know, like and and some reps use me over and over and over again because you know, part of, I I see a key part of my job is jumping on the phone with customers and helping move the needle on either deals or relationships. And, uh, and other, other reps, they, I've never done a phone call with them. Like I, I've never joined them in, 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 in a, in in a sales call. Oh,
0: it's just, it's just crazy. I was coaching a guy once and he was like blown away by the idea of so much leverage. One thing that's another concept that I think of all the time is leverage. Cause if you're trying to do a deal, it's like 10 X the size of what you've done in the past. That's a, that's, that's a a, a concept of leverage right there. How are you going to be one, but you're going to go get 10. Mm -hmm. How are you just you and your little canoe and you're going to go get a whale? You got to find leverage somewhere because you don't have the power on your own to do it. And he was so kind of surprised by this idea of leveraging executives as much as I do. He was like, he's like, isn't that cheating? (laughs) Not if you win. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, no, it's just putting all of your chess pieces on the table right now. You're just a pawn and the, the customer's whole company is there. So that all their pieces are on the table and you're just, you're just a pawn and you're the only
1: guy on the table from your team. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me, uh, when you have a mega deal in play with a customer, you know, you smell the smoke and you've got a real, a real thing on the line. How do you prepare for one of, for those key meetings that you're going to have? What's, what, what's on your mind? What strategies do you use? What, what's the prep?
0: It it depends on the meeting. If you're talking about one meeting with one goal, that's probably a week of prep, but I just finished an effort uh, that was, let's say very expansive and would certainly be the opening salvo of the next mega deal that I'm going to attempt. That was six weeks of prep. And we had teams of people who were preparing for that type of meeting. And I don't know if this is what you're going for, or if you're saying, Hey, you know, you got one meeting and you know, give give me three points of what you prep on. When I think of prep for big stuff, it's, it's, it's more in depth. So which, Mm -hmm. Which direction do you want me
1: to go? Um, Well, yeah, well, just, I guess, how, how do you prep for one of these? What's involved in, in, you say you spent six weeks prepping for a meeting. What, what, what was happening there? What were all these people prepping? What was, what was going on? So there were
0: different levels, right? From executive to kind of director level and then down in the, in the weeds, like development people and strategy people and services people. Mm -hmm. And we had to start by crafting this overarching story that went back to yet again, really simple concepts. Why, what, and how, why are we doing what we are doing and what is it exactly that we have? And how are you going to take us to this kind of future that you're recommending that we're recommending? Mm -hmm. So we had this kind of Uber story and then we had to, um, marry kind of this Uber story that was going to be presented by executives um, and and marry it with the details of what we knew about the customer. And we got those details from the folks who were on the ground, in the field, in the weeds and really detailed oriented. And we had to take up examples wherever we could. We couldn't be too detailed or then you lose the executive, you know, 20 second attention span. Mm Mm-hmm but you had to kind of glean which stories are we going to tell that are going to show them how bad things are for them right now and how good we could make it in the future. So it was basically we'd have this one big meeting with everybody on the phone once a week, but then every day there were all these work streams going on to feed the Uber story, the details to to make the story sing. So to break it down, I always try to stay with the the why what how storytelling model mm-hmm. and then I try to keep it and, and i try to have meetings that are with very senior people mm-hmm. and then i go uh, justify or or uh, kind of um i uh, i i bring a lot of evidence that's fact based and and as much as i can it's based on the actual uh, scenario that the customer's facing. And you, you you pop those up from the very detailed level into the great greater story in a way that doesn't go too far into the weeds but proves your points and, and shows the direction you want to go. That's kind of my model of prep.
1: That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. I think a key lesson that whether we're working on a big deal or a small deal or anything in between that that I get from from what you're saying is you've got to Gather information from the customer before your meeting. It's a key piece of preparation to kind of pick their brains, find out what's important to them, where things hurt, what's the data behind that, like how bad does it hurt? Well, you know how much is this costing them to not solve this problem on a monthly basis um, Gathering that information allows you to have such a more effective sales meeting, even if it's just you know, a quick, if it's a small deal and it's a quick meeting and it's let, there's less prep involved, having a, you know, reaching out to your, to your sponsor at at an organization before the meeting and saying, Hey, can we jump on the phone for five minutes to, to, to talk about what's who's going to be in the room and what's really important to each one of them. And, and let, let me, let me pick your brain so I can make this meeting more effective when we're pitching it to the rest of your team and we're talking to them and, and, you know, getting, pumping your, your, your prospect, the person who actually wants to be meeting with you for a reason for that type of information. And then it just, you'll, you'll, it allows you to make such a more effective sales meeting.
0: Well, to, to add to what you're saying, this whole meeting that we just did was basically a dress rehearsal for the real meeting that's coming in in a few months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this, this whole thing that we did was basically to go to people to say look you're 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 kind of senior and this meeting is going to go to folks who are really senior let's do a dress rehearsal and see if this all makes sense to you and whatever you don't like we'll will change it out so it's kind of the ultimate goal is to get to what you're talking about which is find out as much as possible from the customer about their condition but then also ask them what do you want to know about what do you want to see you know what do you need from us what would you advise us
1: to say based on who's going to be in the room and their personalities? I love how your strategy really puts you on the same side of the table as your prospect, you know, and, and, and doing that really can, can unlock so much value, you know, help, help us help you. Um, what would you say the key skills are that salespeople need to master? to succeed at closing these mega deals? Um,
0: I've, I've, I've thought about how to answer that and I just keep giving this image in my head of uh, uh, being on a tight wire at a very high, very high height. Because as soon as you get into mega deal range and the conversation is about the, the volume or the value or whatever that would raise the deal size to some huge amount. It feels like you're getting raised up really high in one of those really fast elevators. And it's like, Whoa, 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 where's my, where's the ground. And all of a sudden I'm up in the, in the clouds. So get used to lofty numbers and get used to lofty ideas. That, that's one thing. So you just, you don't, so you're not hyperventilating all the time. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, but uh, the the other is um, one of the books that I really enjoyed is um, the the Challenger Customer, right? Which is the following book after the Challenger Sale, mm-hmm. where the authors of both books really look into what's the customer journey like and what are they trying to achieve, and uh, I mean. The, the number of people that it takes to make corporate buying decisions is increasing. And they say that it's roughly 5.4. So they're always talking about the 5.4 number, but it, when it comes to really big mega deals, that number gets even bigger. Cause if you think about it, there's more and more levels of, uh, of spending governance, mm-hmm. right? If it's 10 K, somebody junior can buy that on a credit card. If it's a million, you need a director. If it's five million, you need a VP. If it's over ten, you need a senior right and so on and so on and so on. So when you get to these lofty numbers, you got a lot of people you got to get on board, and and then it, it shifts from being what we know as a sales cycle into more like a presidential election.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you got all I, I would guess there's very few. Um, deals at $50 million that the CEO and half of the senior team aren't involved in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you do have to think through how is, she, how is she going to like my idea, right? If my idea is going to ax the need for 30% of this type of a person within their company and she runs that group, is she going to like losing those 30 or is she going to resist it yet? Everybody else might really love the idea, but she's a key stakeholder. How do I bring this idea to her, right? How do I make sure that somebody internal to them on her side takes it to them instead of me? So, you know, number one, learn how to learn how to be a tightrope, how how to be on a tightrope or, you know, get used to great heights. That's number one. Number two, get used to going to many different stakeholders and really getting walking in their shoes because your story and your value to them is going to be different based on who they are, even though they're within the same prospect or customer, their, their view of what you bring is going to be really, really different. Mm-hmm. And, and number three, just be humble. Cause there ain't no way, uh, I, I don't know anybody who is like, you know, kind of an arrogant me, me person who really brings a mega deal home because there's so many people involved and your management's going to be there and folks who are way down in the weeds are going to be there and everybody in between. So just just stay humble. You're, you're, you're a super important player in the process, but you're not the only one.
1: Nothing great has ever been accomplished alone. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, a? Uh, a specific book that you'd recommend for salespeople who want to develop and grow their career? You mentioned Blue Ocean Strategies. Uh, anything else? I, ha- I have a list, a, a huge list. <laughs> but um, uh, a,
0: a couple, a couple that that stick out to me. I mean, so there's the Challenger Sale, but it's not a it's not a Bible. It, it helps with one piece of the puzzle, which is um, how you interact around your value proposition, how you craft it and create it and how you deliver it. But, but that's just a part of it. Um, a couple others that are really great is, is the one that I, that I just laid out, how, how to get a meeting with anyone. And um, uh, another one that, that just, just well, 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 two. One is called uh, the power of moments, um, which basically is how can you create moments that just work with the human brain in such a way that you become memorable and that uh, you become incredibly impactful on a number of facets with, within any audience.
1: Hmm. So cool. Uh, I, I haven't heard of that one. Uh, we'll, we'll add those to the show notes cause that, that sound great. Hmm. Um, what do you think the greatest sales lesson is that you've learned over your years of experience? Um,
0: I think the one of the keys to being successful in probably in any sales, but I'll say enterprise sales. Cause that's been my backyard for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, there are rivers in the world. All you need to do is go stand in one and deals are going to, you You got to stand in, in the way of the needs. You know, if you just go find those needs, They have their own power, much more than you will ever have, much more than your pitch will ever have. The pains and opportunities desired by uh, any of your customers, great or small, the, the power behind their needs and desires is so great. You don't have to conjure up incredible stories if you just get right in front of that problem and say,
1: here's the solution to the problem and here's why. Fantastic, uh, fantastic. Uh, I, I guess mental image there, standing in a in a in a a river of of leads and 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 pain points, and just uh, it's almost like fishing with a net if you can get yourself in the right river. That's right. Um, well, uh, tell me what should uh, the field salespeople listen today do as a first step to get started on closing larger deals, mega deals with their customers?
0: I mean, the first thing that they should do is take a look at their entire territory and pick three accounts, just three, and visualize right there, either their most known accounts or the ones where they think they might have the best opportunity to do a mega deal and simply visualize, okay, if this company, company number one of three, if this company was going to do a mega deal with us, what would it look like? Why would they do it? How big would it actually be? You know, how many widgets do I have to sell to make it a mega deal? And, and could they actually consume that and use that? What would a hypothetical mega deal, act? just vision the thing. And if you do that with three customers, Then you move on to the next stage, which is actually doing some research to back up what your gut tells you. And probably if you do enough research on those top three, you'll have enough justification to get some executive within your company interested in, you know, saddling up with you and riding out to go win a deal. Fantastic advice.
1: Well, I'm going to attempt to summarize the the concepts and, and learnings that, that you've brought to us today. Um, so, Jamal started his career selling books door to door all across the Midwest for five summers. Um, selling books door to door helped Jamal experience a lot of rejection. And today, Jamal uses meditation, prayer, and gratitude exercises to start his day and get himself in the right headspace. Mega deals, they're often started by smaller deals. Jamal said he fell into his first mega deal. He was guided through it by people much more senior than him to actually get it closed. Mentorship is very very important in the mega deal process to build your understanding as a salesperson on how these deals develop and how to unlock the the value that's, that needs to be unlocked between two organizations to actually get a big deal done. Jamal recommends using the blue ocean strategy to make a to really make a breakthrough with prospects and show them the unique value that your organization can provide mentorship helps salespeople break through these mental barriers and understand how they can do that. When you're reaching out to senior level executives, achieve a sense of peerness to connect with them on a peer to peer level. So, you know, maybe invite execs from your company to join the conversation. And to help move the conversation along, and uh, you know that's that's a resource that not all reps take advantage of. When you're prepping for a mega deal meeting, keep in mind that the prep time can vary depending on how many decisions need to be made in that meeting. You can use the "why, what, how" storytelling model to. Uh, and if you can answer all those questions and kind of build your story around that, then then you're really prepped uh, to to do a great sales meeting. Bring a lot of fact based evidence that you've gathered previously from the customer uh, that you can really map your solution to their pain points and to their needs that really prove why your solution can unlock so much value for them. Decide which stories need to be told to express the pain, and, and, and help the prospect feel like you, your company, you as the salesperson, can fix those pain points and unlock that value. Other thoughts about closing mega deals? I jot it down here. Um, Jamal advises to get used to working with lofty numbers and lofty ideas. Make sure that you keep in mind key stakeholders and you make sure you walk in their shoes, empathize with them so that you can understand how you can provide value for each one of those key stakeholders. And finally be humble because uh, you know, like, like we said, nothing. No one's ever accomplished anything great alone, uh, and anyone uh, anyone that thinks they have probably probably isn't expressing enough gratitude to the uh, mm-hmm. the shoulders that they're standing on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this this has been really cool, Jamal. I mean, great advice and, and, you know, getting your perspectives. I mean, I've, I've certainly never done a $50 million deal. It's, it's really cool to, to hear, to hear your perspectives on this and how you approach it and think about it. Um, where can our listeners read more about your work? How do they reach out to you? Where where can they learn more from you?
0: Yeah. So you, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, you know, Jamal Reimer, I'm sure my name will be, be there, but I also have a LinkedIn group. It's just for enterprise salespeople. It's called the sales tribe. And I can give you a link to that and you can put that in the notes as well. So we talk about these kind of topics. Um, it's really trying to, it's, it's about trying to create a community of people in the enterprise space, hardware, software, financial, you know, if it's sold to the enterprise, everybody's welcome and it's a safe place, right? So we can do some venting about a hard day and we can ask a question for the group and how to prep for a meeting and, it's a, it's a nice place. Uh, it, 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 we're, we're all about trying to help each other get to the next level. And I, I invite everybody who's listening to, to come on board and be a part of that community.
1: Fantastic. We, uh, we will put a link out to the Sales Tribe LinkedIn group in the show notes here so that people can find that. Um, well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If uh, if anyone can think of any other sales reps they know that, that would benefit from learning the skills that Jamal's taught us today, share the love and, and forward this episode on to them. Otherwise, take care until next time, everybody.